Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, welcome in on a Wednesday for the first time ever. We're down at Tivoli's House of Cards, just sitting on a couch, talking sports. And we're going to break open some boxes because the last one we did last week, oh, baby, it was a good one. We finally got a hot box. And, uh, well, Casey's keeping all the cards for future endeavors. But we're holding on to that Jamar Chase, two out of three. We think it's a few hundred dollars or more, so we'll see what happens with the rest of his career. Uh, but we are down at the Bowie's House of Cards until 6 o'clock. Come on out, say hello. If you haven't seen this place, well, you're seeing it live on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. But come on out and say hello, and um, we'll tell you all about it and show you. Because Casey will tell you that everything behind me is more than you'll see in anywhere else in town. Um, he's the expert on all of this. So we'll talk a little cards. We'll uh, hopefully hit on some big ones once again. Tell you a little bit more about uh, what Mark Davoli's doing in Davoli's House of Cards. It's a big week uh, later this week, especially for sports fans and collectors uh, of all kinds because Mike Tyson's coming into town. Pete Rose, Ric Flair, Palm Beach Autographs has that going on. We'll be over at Palm Beach Autographs tomorrow afternoon, by the way, in the Avenues Mall. Mike Tyson uh, is there tomorrow night, so check out palmbeachautographs.com. We are your memorabilia staff. Here this week, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau here. Austin Lane uh, is getting ready for a big fight on Sunday in Dallas. So he's out the rest of the week. But obviously we have you covered with uh, Casey Kurtz back in the Action Sports Jacks studios as well. Casey, missed you the last couple of days. Welcome back. Appreciate it. I tried to tune uh, in a little bit. You guys look like had, you had a good view yesterday. Were you standing on the baseball press box? We were on top of the baseball press box at UNF. It was a gorgeous day. Uh, the sun was splashing in the right direction, and we could see softball and baseball. And, by the way, the Gators got the UNF softball team. UCF got the uh, uh, baseball team. I think it was 3-2 to two, or 4-3. to three. And uh, But how about the win for JU? And uh, they that. beat Florida State. 10th-ranked team in the country. Got to love baseball, man, because nobody's, like, shocked by that. A midweek game, and JU wins. Uh, UNF, by the way, softball plays in Gainesville tonight. So love when they get to, to play some of the Power 5 schools, especially the Gators in baseball and softball, two premier teams uh, in the country. And speaking of JU and UNF, uh, River City Rumble Part 2 tonight, and two of the most intriguing teams going into March, or at least the A-Sun Tournament, uh, the Dolphins have, are undefeated at home, and uh, they'll host this one at Swisher Gymnasium, try to keep that alive. They're still knocking on the door for the top seed in the East, but they are, are going to likely get a first-round bye in the A-Sun Tournament. And meanwhile, UNF has come out of nowhere to win five out of six games and try to get a home game in the A-Sun Tournament. So, heck of a story uh, at both places, and they play tonight in the sold-out Swisher Gymnasium. So, uh, that should be a lot of fun. Casey, you went to UNF. Did you ever, I'm assuming you went to the River City Rumble? Uh, in, at UNF. Did you ever go at Swisher? Uh, I <laughs> I have a story, but I can't tell it on the air, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, can't tell, you have a story that you can't tell on the air? Yeah, it might <laughs> get some people in trouble. Not even me. It was uh, some stuff that happened with some JU students and some of the, one of my uh, science lab partners that it, it got kind of ugly. So I don't want to tell that one on the air, but uh, there was there was some fisticuffs a little bit. Yeah. Oh, fisticuffs. That story bit. has to do with it. And, and you had a uh, 
science lab in school. That tells me a little bit about your education. Yeah, Rocks, Rocks Lab is what I called it. It was uh, Earth Science. My science friends made fun of me at other schools. They called it Rocks, so I called it Rocks Lab. Yep. Rocks <laughs> Very good. So anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but good uh, local stuff going on with the um, high school playoffs. St. John's Country Day, by the way, plays for a state championship tonight in girls' soccer. It's one of the great feats going in the state of Florida, probably the country. They've won 10 consecutive state championships. They go for 11 tonight. Don't talk a lot of high school soccer, but that's pretty good. And then on Friday at 1 o'clock, Fletcher will go for the first ever Duval County state championship in soccer ever, boys or girls. That was hard for me to believe, but Fletcher has the opportunity to do that. And at uh, 4 o'clock, by the way, down in DeLand, Creekside Knights will try to win their first ever state championship in girls' soccer. So we've got hoops, we've got soccer, we've got a little bit of everything as the championship season uh, winds down in the winter sports. Meanwhile, we're a little less than a week away from the Combine. We'll be in Indianapolis Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week so we're really setting our schedule up and yesterday we talked a little bit about the combine and will the jaguars know coming out of the combine who the number one pick is in the draft i think it's really interesting they're not going to tell us that's obvious but i think it's interesting to to wonder what they're thinking going into the combine and will anything they see or hear or the medical evaluations will it validate what they already think and the plan that they have in place and then the domino effect here's How much does the plan that they have in place at what they might take with the number one overall pick in late April have to do with the franchise tag season, which is going on right now? If they choose to franchise tag Cam Robinson or a DJ Chark or none, how does that kind of redefine what they might do in the draft with the number one overall pick? And then I'll throw one more part of the equation in here, Casey, and that's free agency because you can get a Tarana Armstead and upgrade your offensive line, spend a lot of money doing it, or you could get a Chandler Jones-type guy who's got connections to Brenton Buckner in free agency and go that route, and then all of a sudden that might really change how we think about the number one overall pick. So I think these next few weeks in the NFL cycle, not this week, there's really a a bit of a lull. This is the time for rumors and, and, and everybody to wonder. But next week at the Combine, and then, of course, we get into free agency a couple weeks later. Uh, By the middle of March, I think we really have a a more clear indication based off what the Jags do or don't do over these next few weeks on what they might do with the number one overall pick. Yeah, I agree. And let me ask you this. Do we know, because I've been out of it for a couple days, do we know that, like, Thibodeau and Evan Neal, are they going to be at the Combine? Do we know that for sure? I was just assuming they would be. Because there's no uh, clear-cut number one, right? That's Yeah, I, I think I think most of the top prospects, right, everybody is – a lot of people go to the Senior Bowl now, and those can be first-round draft picks too. Like, it used to feel like the, the Senior Bowl was meant for the third, fourth, fifth round, and you do get a lot of folks, by the way, in those rounds too in Mobile. But, you know, what is there, 300 or so invited to the NFL Combine? Yeah. Well, a lot of those guys are the top-flight guys. I mean, you're usually getting the top five, top ten – even if they don't work out and perform, and there's been a lot of back and forth on what exactly will go down from a physical standpoint at the Combine. But they'll go for the medicals and, and the interviews. So, yeah, I, I'm just kind of assuming. I haven't heard otherwise. So my assumption is guys like Thibodeau, guys like Hutchinson, guys like Neal, uh, anybody you think is going to be picked in the top ten and beyond uh, will be there at the combine and again uh, i'll say this i've said this for years i said it just yesterday the most important part of the combine for me 
from a team perspective and what they might do in terms of judging a prospect is the medical evaluations and the interviews because that's where you start to gauge what this guy is all about and how much he's going to impact your organization. Because if you're looking at the number one overall pick in the draft, you're trying to impact an organization, not just a one football game, right? Not just a room, uh, not just a side of the ball, but an organization. And look what Trevor Lawrence is doing, right? He's starting to do that. You do that differently from the quarterback position, but he's definitely that guy. I'm not sure Thibodeau will have that kind of responsibility or a Hutchinson or a Neal, but he certainly... He should be able to impact your organization for hopefully the foreseeable future some five to eight to ten years down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you go to the combine, to your point with the interviews and stuff and bringing it back to what you started with, I think they will at least know if they're going to draft a tackle or not. Because I think that's, in my opinion, that's the most important thing they need to figure out because tackle is obviously not a world-class number one pick. It doesn't happen a lot unless there's really nothing else to draft, but you have options on the table. So I think when the Jags come back from the combine, they need to know at a bare minimum, is it Evan Neal or is it not? Because if it's not Evan Neal, you can make your move with Cam Robinson. You can make your move with Armstead if there is a move to be made there. So I think when they come back, they have to know if they're going tackle or if they're going to pursue one of these pass rushers further. That's to me, is the most important question they need answered when they come back from Indianapolis. Uh, we are live at Tivoli's House of Cards here in St. John's County, uh, just off 210, by the way. Uh, really, if you're coming down south, 95 south, uh, exit 329, take a left. It's half a mile down on the right. So uh, as easy as that. Maybe it's closer to a mile. But uh, simple to get to. Come on by Devoli's House of Cards. Be here until 6 o'clock. This is going to be a Wednesday thing. Not every Wednesday. We'll keep you updated on that. Interrupted uh, by some events like the Players' Championship. But really, for the next few months, we we'll plan on being here on Wednesdays and having some fun uh, at Devoli's House of Cards. You know what else is kind of fun right now? I'm scrolling through Twitter. Maybe we should start this as a segment. Oh, boy. Because... Random tweets that I'm coming across, like, you know how you see goofy stuff on your timeline? It's not always like yep. what just happened five minutes ago. For some reason, the algorithm says, show me what CBS tweeted five hours ago. Correct. And I see most yards per rush among all active NFL players. Okay. Who's number one on the list? Yards per rush? It's got to be somebody random. It's like got to be like... A quarterback, right? It is. And top three are quarterbacks, but give me number one because it'll be as random as you can get. Oh, well, I don't like that now. I was going to say Lamar Jackson, but that's well, obviously... Ah, Lamar Jackson's number two. Not bad. <laughs> uh, and uh, number three, by the way, is Marcus Mariota. I wouldn't have got that. All right, if no. number one's as random as it gets, give me Russell Wilson. Uh, no. How about Blake Bortles? <laughs> All right. Good. I mean, where did this tweet come from? Why did the NFL on CBS decide to just say, hey, let's tweet this today? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, yeah. what a weird tweet. All right, I got another one. This one's three hours ago, and it must be weird tweet day from NFL on CBS. They're just trying to stay in the game here in mid to late February. Tom Brady in his postseason career versus the Manning brothers, 2-5, and five, versus everyone else, 33-7. and seven. <laughs> That's unreal. Boy, the Manning brothers, man, they got that on Tom for a long time, don't they? Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of crazy. And you know what else we're into is we're into hypothetical trade season. Oh, you know, you know, we are. How about this? What we got? Okay, I'm just seeing anything that piques my interest right now on the Twitter timeline. And hypothetical trade Amari Cooper to Jacksonville. First of all, do you like the idea? I like the. I I, I think I saw. I think I know where you're going, but I'm going to let you finish. Uh, I like the idea. But let's see what we have to give up. 
All right, so you got to give up a second-round draft pick in 22 and a fifth-round draft pick. I really would like to stretch that to a six since we have 600 sixth-round draft picks, thanks to Trent Baalke. But Or just give them two. two or six. give them two six just to get rid of them. I don't want to pick four or five times in the sixth round. Yeah, me neither. I mean, we screw up every other draft pick around here. Why pick four or five times in one round? Uh, so... I guess sooner or later you get one right. Uh, 22 fifth round and a 22 second round pick for Amari Cooper. Now, what's the rub on that? Well, you pick up a pretty hefty contract. I think I saw that the, what is remaining is like three years, 60 mil yeah. on Amari Cooper's deal. I like the idea of it, though, man. I like Amari Cooper. Uh, yeah, I like Amari, but the thing that kind of hesitates me here is you, you, it would be pick 33 then that you'd have to give up. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't like that anymore. Yeah, I don't love that. A second-round pick doesn't sound so bad until you tell me it's pick 33. Yeah, because we only got yeah. one of those, right? Yeah, that's a first-round pick. Yeah. I mean, that's – and here's – I'll give you another reason why I don't love it, because I'm going to give you the latest example of that same trade. Now, the money was a little different, and I think the receiver's a little bit different based on age, but I'm pretty sure that same deal happened for Julio Jones, Tennessee, and Atlanta. Yeah. And so – now, listen, I don't think uh, – so when Tennessee gave Atlanta their second and fifth, they weren't – it wasn't the 33rd overall, right? Right. So uh, – and, and by the way, like, I'm not sure Tennessee won that deal, right? No. I mean, Julio yeah. Jones was really not a non-factor good. for them. Yeah, not good. So – and he's, he's aging. Now, Murray Cooper's not aging like that. Uh, so I think um, – I like the idea of Amari Cooper, but based on the 33rd overall pick, I don't really like their hypothetical trade of a second round. Uh, maybe you can go to a third-round pick instead. Would if that change the game? Third round, I'm with it, because the other question about Amari Cooper that has been asked is in these positions where the Dallas has failed or let people down, he hasn't been their best receiver in a big game. So there has been questions about Amari Cooper. Is he the best receiver? Is he the number one receiver on a good team? And that's still... Yet to be seen. Obviously, if you're the Jags, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We'll take you. But there are questions about Amari Cooper, I would think. How about this? Since it is hypothetical trade season, I think the Jags have reason to trade for some players. Or at least think about it. And Amari Cooper's uh, an interesting piece. Like, you know what he can do. Again, the Jags in the draft might want to go think about what the Rams have done. Go get proven players. I know what I'm getting rather than trying to predict that this guy's going to be good. Jags haven't been good at the prediction business lately. And Amari Cooper is interesting. Remember a few months ago when people were throwing out the DK Metcalf yeah. trade? Like, do you like the idea? Do we like the idea in Jacksonville of, I'm not saying go all in like the Rams are going, but at least have a wrinkle of that in your plan where maybe it isn't the free agency receiver because you're not going to get Devontae Adams or Godwin's coming off the ACL or Gallup is going to cost too much money or Allen Robinson's the 10th overall free agent. He's going to command 15, 16, 17 million a year and you're not sure he's even a number one. Uh, DJ Chark, you can bring him back, but you're still not sure what's going on with him. He's done it one out of four years coming off injury. So is it smarter to maybe go the trade piece, uh, someone that's trying to reset a little bit and maybe get rid of some of the cash? Yeah, I, I like that idea because you know what the contract is going in, so you know the expectations and whatnot. I'll give you another name, though, that was cryptically tweeting. It was either yesterday or this morning. Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I saw somebody mention something about Jarvis Landry. Why does – like, he doesn't do as much for me um, as, as, like, even Amari Cooper or DK Metcalf, but I don't think Jarvis Landry would cost as much either. 
Agreed. I think DK Metcalf would be the home run, in my opinion. That's like the number one guy out of this group of three. But I think Jarvis Landry is interesting from the standpoint of you probably wouldn't classify him as a number one, but if he, I think you can classify him as a really good, potentially great number two. We just saw what happened with Odell Beckham. We thought he was no good. He leaves Baker Mayfield and is great again. So Jarvis Landry, it's, there's reason to believe the same thing could happen for him, that he could come back, leave, and be as good as he was with the Dolphins. So I, I would at least be super intrigued on Landry if you can keep that 33rd overall pick and then draft another receiver. So then you have your drafted receiver, your free agent receiver, which ended up being a trade receiver, and then rolling with like Marvin Jones and the other guys you have. But Jarvis Landry at least interests me from that point. How many receivers do the Jacksonville Jaguars need to make everybody feel good that they've done their job to put something around Trevor Lawrence. And obviously you're going to go with five or six receivers when you have a lineup on a Sunday. My point is Marvin Jones is still under contract. LaVisca Chanel is still under contract. Uh, that's really all you know right now about what they have. They could bring DJ Chark back. They could draft a, a litany of, of guys at, at 33 or wherever else. Or they could trade for people or sign in free agency. So there's a lot of ways to go about it. But why do I feel like this fan base wouldn't be happy unless this Jaguars front office and Doug Peterson goes and gets two legit pieces for Trevor Lawrence? And then you could even add in the tight end eventually, but I want to keep the tight end separate in this conversation. Is one big piece okay, or is it going to take two to satisfy the fan base? Not that... That might not matter in the in the building, but <laughs> yeah, I get what will satisfy the uh, the fan base. I think asking a fan, which I am, easy two. You have to get two, no less than two. You cannot just draft one. You cannot just sign one. You have to draft one high, not number one high, but thirty three high or trade back high. However you do that, and you need to sign one in free agency. If if you don't draft the stud, you need to sign a pretty big stud. Like we can't we can't have you sign a Michael Gallup type and then draft somebody that everyone's kind of in on. You need to have one of them be a big splash, and then you still need to get somebody else. So, yeah, two at the minimum. Yeah, and by the way, then you add the tight end into the game. Then you bring ETN back. I could start getting sunshine and rainbows going in a heartbeat if you give me two receivers to get excited about. Like, uh, yeah. give me – and by the way, one of those receivers, like, I'll admit, I, I don't think they're going to get two guys and pay – that's what's interesting about the Chark stuff, right? You bring Chark back, whether it's a franchise tag or, or whether it's a, a contract, and you take the gamble on him, then I'm not sure they're signing someone in free agency. I think one of these pieces is draft-related. And so is that other piece a DJ Chark that you're taking a gamble on for one more year, or are you making a big-time move and going to you know, at least try for Devontae Adams, make a trade for Amari Cooper, sign Godwin and take the chance? Like, that's the mix that I, I fully expect. That it's one of the parts is going to be a draft pick, most likely. Uh, but for us to feel good about it, I don't think it can be like a fourth or fifth round draft pick. I think it's going to be a second or a trade back in to the second round or even late first round to go pick up a top flight wide receiver. Yeah, if they, if they stand where they are at one, and obviously you're not picking a receiver there, and we get to 33, day two, and the pick passes, and it's anybody other than catches the football for a lot of yards for a living, I think there's going to be some serious disappointment, no matter what happened in free agency, because we've seen free agency be good, we've seen it be bad. So I think, obviously we've seen the draft be bad too, but at some point you need to start building with younger players that are actually, like, good, and that's been a problem for the Jags. So I think it, anything other than a wide receiver or – 
if you love, love one of the tight ends at 33, then you do it. Anything other than that is a disappointment, I would say. All right. Uh, we've got a bunch of different things on the agenda today, not just football, uh, but who will sign the biggest deal in free agency? Zion Williamson. Speaking of, we're at the Bullies House of Cards. Buy low on Zion Williamson right now. I, like, I don't know much about the card business, but I've learned that, and I know that. Uh, Major League Baseball still messing this thing up. And Casey has an interesting question. Can college baseball take advantage of this? And how could they do it? Uh, Zach Johnson, Ryder Cup, Phil Mickelson, uh-oh. Justin Thomas in town uh, to highlight the Players' Championship today. Stuart Weber is there, and uh, we'll talk to Stuart a little bit later on in the show. Casey says we even have soccer talk. That must be his segment. But uh, we'll do it when we come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're live from DeVoli's House of Cards. Come on down right here on 210. Get Check it out. Say hello. Be here until 6 o'clock. If he don't get on track soon, he's about to be the Marcus Russell of the NBA. Probably talented as hell. You know, generational talent, but because of him not being able to get in shape, because of everything he's dealing with off the court for us, you know, having bad eating habits, things to those natures, you know, just not getting the right guidance, I don't know if we're going to be able to see this man and see how great he could possibly be. Mm, who was that from the NBA world? Talking about Zion Williamson. That would be Kendrick Perkins. Ah, Kendrick Perkins. Very good. So, Kendrick Perkins. You know, here's the thing about Zion Williamson. As we're back at Tavoli's House of Cards, I think it's a great topic, by the way. Uh, Casey brought this up with the Zion Williamson stuff. And, and again, seriously, he's a card here. He's, like, in, in this kind of business, in the memorabilia business, where he's supposed to be a star of this world, right? And, and has um, faded in a big-time way, but can still be there. Uh, but the problem with Zion Williamson right now, Casey, are we talking about the next Greg Oden? Like, is that starting one. to enter people's minds that you had this talent who couldn't stay healthy, first of all? And to, oh, listen, it wasn't Oden's fault. Everybody loves to blame the player for being injured. He just obviously was injured all the time and, and could not recover and could not have a career. Zion Williamson has been injured enough. What adds to the Zion Williamson story is this fact that everybody wants to put him on Weight Watchers, too, you know? Yeah. And so, like, we all want to be the dietitian for Zion Williamson. Well, the bottom line is he's still not healthy. And it's not like he's not playing because he's out of shape. That's part of it. And he's going to have to decide to get in shape, I guess. But it's really because he's not healthy. And so I think we're getting into that territory. It's early, but I'm not sure Greg Oden's the right example. But you really start to wonder now, how long can you miss before you can, you can be a factor, right? And, and you can be a star uh, that you were supposed to be. Yeah, I think it's – Greg Oden's a good comparison, but I think the reason Zion rubs a lot of people the wrong way right now is it almost doesn't feel like he's trying. Now, he has been hurt, and don't get me wrong, I ain't going to tell nobody what to eat because I like to eat myself. <laughs> so, like, that's – you know, I, I, I ain't going down that thing. But I think the problem people have is – uh, they trade for C.J. McCollum, who is either the president or the vice president of the NBA PA. Uh, very re well-respected player, very good player. Uh, and it comes out that they haven't even spoke in person. And J.J. Redick spoke on that, who was a teammate with Zion Williamson. So when you hear stuff like that, it's like, 
is he even trying? Which brings me back to the Jamarcus Russell legendary story where they sent him home with a blank videotape and he said he watched it. Um, <laughs> all that comes back. So when you hear somebody like Kendrick Perkins call him out like that, like it, it kind of hits home like, oh, wow, that's a thing. But to your point with Greg Oden, as far as I understand it, like Greg Oden tried, right? Yeah, yeah. He had just chronic injuries, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, I, I'm not sure they're the same. Uh, they'll be the it doesn't have to be the same exact circumstances, but they might be the same in terms of high draft pick star potential and just can't deliver yeah. uh, for other reasons that I'm just bad at basketball and not as good as everybody thought, you know? Because I think Zion Williamson, I think people believe that if he was healthy, if he was in shape, if he was playing, he'd be one of the best players in the NBA right now. Yeah. Like, I think people fully believe that. And we just haven't had a chance to watch that, like, and, and, and display that. So... Uh, now you start to wonder about the motivation of him. And Zion Williamson still got a chance, very young, and I don't think he has chronic injuries, so he'll be able to find himself. Look, it's taken Andrew Wiggins, what, some seven years to find himself in the NBA? Yeah. To the, to the point where people, and I'm not even sure he's to the point where people thought he'd be, but at least he's found himself. Uh, Zion Williamson uh, is not running out of time, but you start to wonder a little bit uh, about him in some of that respect. So uh, it's, it's, he's a fascinating conversation, man, because he felt like such a can't-miss guy. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, that's the uh, I mean, that's you, part of it. That might be part of it as well, like, in terms of what he's going through mentally, because we don't hear from Zion. Like, he doesn't, yeah. like, talk. So we don't – he might be going through a whole different battle mentally that obviously all this isn't helping. I mean, maybe not, but, sure. like, the pressure that you have on your shoulders to be literally the greatest player since LeBron James, as they called him, and it just didn't it didn't come out right away, and now he's hurt, and now he's dealing with all this. Like, that that probably plays a factor into all this that maybe we don't necessarily think about as often as we should. Well, and, and you're right. That's, an absolute, that's a good point. And by the way, this isn't just a player, an electric player. We're talking about a personality, too, right? I yeah. mean, a guy's got a smile uh, that, that would fit on any billboard. Um, he's, a, he's a mega star potential, and that is not always easy to handle. And especially when you disappoint early on, can you bounce back? Can you find yourself? Uh, it'll be a, it's, it's going to be a story to watch. It's going to be a 30, 30, 30 for 30 either way, it feels like. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, without a so, doubt. And you got John Moran who got picked after him looking pretty good right now. Well, that's probably not helping um, from a Zion no, perspective. not at all. Uh, and we've had uh, some interesting comments when I asked about how many weapons it would take to make you feel good about what they're doing around Trevor. Uh, also, we talked about just a hypothetical. Would you like Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf? Like, if you could make a trade, would it, which one would it be? We had Cooper for sure. His contract is actually very favorable. might be high, but his dead cap is nothing. Six mil this year, four mil the next year, two mil the following year. Um, uh, Stevie says DK, 10,000 or 10 million percent. Now i got to watch my numbers. Oh. But then when I asked about how many weapons, Dan says four. Thanks for the Tom Brady fourth down gif. Uh, Stevie <laughs> says uh, about six. Coach Ripley says, let's see, we have none. So ten. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I didn't know this was going to open wounds with the question of how many weapons do we need to get Trevor Lawrence around here. Yeah. Uh, Nathan says enough. We'll, we'll know it when we see it, but it's become increasingly clear we need to find a way to keep Chark. Uh, Eric says if they take an offensive lineman at one, they can do nothing that I think will make up for it. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, Jay Preston, um, I read that uh, 
Guten, whatever up there in Green Bay, is considered letting Adams test the free agent market. He did say if that. If Adams yeah. hits free agency and Jaguars go all in to get him, is Adams, Chark, Jones Jr., Chenault, Agnew a good enough wide receiver room to not add another wide receiver with the 33rd pick? Now, that's a good question. That is a good so question. So let me digest that, okay? So if, if Devontae Adams is available, mm-hmm. how much do does Jacksonville and do Jags fans want them to go all in and get Devontae Adams and pay him, you know, half of St. John's County? <laughs> I, I think it would be, I think the fan base would be as on board as they were with Trevor Lawrence. Because of how much that they've, how much it was obvious that Trevor Lawrence needed weapons, I think the excitement for Devontae Adams would be just as it was when they were drafting Trevor Lawrence. So I asked this quest- question. If somehow the Jaguars were to land Devontae Adams, should we throw a parade? Yep. I mean, you think people would come? Yeah, people would come. We got nothing to be excited about. I mean, we don't know when the parade, victory parade's coming, so maybe we should start throwing parades for people. Yes. Um, we'll get Trevor think- afloat. We'll get Devontae <laughs> afloat. We'll get Peterson afloat. Who else we got? We'll have three floats. It'll be kind of a small parade, but... I think, like, it's a test run for the Super Bowl. Okay. If you throw a parade for uh, Devontae Adams. So I want to digest this again. So if Adams hits free agency, this is the question, and Jaguars go go all in to get him. So they've got Adams. And now Jay Preston here says they've got Chark, too. See, if they get, like, a Devontae Adams, I don't know if they've got Chark. I think they'll have Marvin Jones, Jr., I think they'll have Chenault. I think Agnew is a guy that I kind of forget about because, let's be honest, until the Jags threw him in the too. fold, he wasn't a wide receiver. And so how much did he earn himself a chance to be a wide receiver? Like, I, I guess I'm okay with it as like a fifth option type of guy, right? I say he gets a chance. To, like in camp, like I'm not saying, you know, go out there yeah. and start him day one, but I think he has an opportunity if you're in this situation in which I think actually in general you should give him a chance because for a while there he was the only playmaker you had. So, so let's, I mean, here's Jay Preston. I love the question, by the way, because you got us on Devontae Adams. But here's where this, there, there's a little of it that to me doesn't make sense, and that's the DJ Chark part. Like, if you get Adams, you're not, if you were able to land him, you're not bringing Chark back. Now, some of those decisions have to be made before Adams. So maybe you do end up, but I just don't see. Think about this. Let's, let's go, they get Devontae Adams, he's $23 million a year. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Is that fair enough? Like, is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You That's think fair. they could get him for twenty three? Yeah. Let's say twenty five. Let's. All right. All right. Let's say twenty five. Chark's going to be ten million a year at the minimum, but probably more like twelve. Yeah, we'll go twelve. That's thirty seven. That's a lot. Jones Junior's getting ten. That's forty seven. And then you add in, sprinkle in the Chenault kind of contracts and Agnew kind of contracts. You're talking about fifty million dollars in wide receivers. Like, for a year, not, like, for contracts. Like, that is not happening. And so his question was, then would you really, with pick 33, go at another one? Well, no, you would no. not. <laughs> like, if you get Devontae Adams and you resign Chark, no. Uh, if you get Devontae Adams and Chark is not a part of it and Marvin Jones only has one more year left and you're really undecided on Chenault, well, then, yes, picking a draft pick, uh, a receiver with that draft pick makes some sense. Yeah. Right? So... I mean, listen, the domino effect of adding a guy like Devontae Adams, which I feel like is a bit of a pipe dream right now, but I'm, I'm here for it and I'll entertain it because it's kind of fun to think about. And I think it's at least 
if he does test the market, why wouldn't the Jags be in play to some degree? The dollars could be insane. And and listen, you can tell me maybe Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver. They're pretty loaded at wide receiver at Denver now. Can they afford and do they want Adams over there? Are they bumping somebody else out? Like, I don't know how that's factoring in. Does Devontae Adams want to go somewhere else? Maybe. California? Possibly. But we know this in free agency. If Devontae Adams is seriously available, money wins the day. So are the Jags willing to throw the bank at him? And what I've told you for a long time, the MO of this organization is to not throw that kind of money at that player in that position. They just haven't done it. That doesn't mean they shouldn't. They have not done that. The most money they've really spent on anybody in free agency, well, outside of Nick Foles at quarterback, is really on the defensive line. You know, they threw a lot of money at Calais Campbell. They tried to throw a lot of money at Olivier Vernon. The Giants outbid him. Thankfully, we should send thank you notes. And uh, A.J. Boye was a pretty big deal, I think at like 60 mil. Mm -hmm. But take away those, those are the mega contract deals that the Jags have thrown. They have not had an M.O. of throwing, like, let's go get the best playmaker on the market. They haven't entertained that game very much. And so I I just don't see that, and i got to see it to believe it um, here in Jacksonville. But I love the idea of it. Oh, I'm interested. Tell you what. (laughs) We'll do the parade. We'll do what we have to do. Yeah, Patrick says five weapons would be a great start. Can we get that many in one (laughs) offseason? They have to stay healthy. Guys, settle down. Like, they're not going to get five new weapons for Trevor Lawrence. No. <laughs> like, that's that's not realistic. Uh, I, I come back to four from Dan, and I'm like, all right, they could get two receivers. I think they can get one in free agency. I'll include Shark, right, even if that's one of them, and then a draft pick. I think they can get a tight end, so I'll give you three. I think I'm having a hard time. And now, offensive line, that's a protection for Trevor. I, the way I phrase the question kind of a weapon for Trevor. I think people might be talking about offensive line, so I'll come with you. And and maybe that's maybe it's Neil, right? Maybe it's Armstead. Maybe we'll see. Um, maybe it's even Cam Robbins. Yep. And so that would count in this. So that's four. Where else? Like you're not doing it. There's no more. Like because ETN comes back. Yep. You have James Robinson who told us last week on our show that he plans to be back for the season. You still have to get another. You have to build the room a little bit more at running back. But I wouldn't put that in the category of they added a weapon, and they're not going to do that in the running back room. I don't think for Trevor. Yeah. So I think you're seeing a max of four, and then if you want to add ETN, but ETN's already on the roster, so um, that's a max of four, and that's with me including the offensive line. You know. So uh, I, I, when I think weapon, I think pass catchers, and I really think the Jags have to find three. For Trevor Lawrence, I think they have to find a a known commodity, and that's free agency or mm-hmm. trade. They have to find a young player because that's cheap, and there's a lot of good young players come out in the draft every year at the wide receiver position. It's as deep as it's ever been in the history of the game. And then I think tight end because we've already done that list. You can get an A list tight end, you can get a B list tight end, and you can really buy into a tight end for whether it's Ertz or Schultz or you name it. Uh, there's, there's a ton available this year. So uh, it's, it, I think three from a pass-catching standpoint is really the realistic number. Uh, four if you add an offensive lineman. But by the way, you had three new weapons, maybe four with an offensive lineman and ETN. You've really transformed your offense. Yeah, absolutely. Let me give you this That's one. That's significant. We, we got this on YouTube. Let me see how you feel about this. 
Uh, Jags need three three wide receivers, so Chark, sign Chark back. Draft Dotson or Pickens at 33. Draft Sky Moore in the third round for the slot, and then sign Mike Gusecki. How you feel about that? Who was the first one? Was it Chark that he said? That yeah, he bring said? Chark back. Okay, so Chark. So you more or less uh, strike out at the big receiver position, or you decide Dotson. not to spend. You draft two, and then you sign. The big deal is Gusecki at the tight end position. That's fine. Yeah, I think it'll be okay. I'm not sure Gusecki's near the top of my list from a from the tight end standpoint, but I, I get what you're doing, and I'm cool with that. I would say, okay, you did stuff, right? I'd sit here on May 1st, and I'd say, what have you done for Trevor? And I'd say, okay, I can buy into that. Yeah. Now, what I'd be a little cautious of is because you're getting guys that are young in the draft, how quick can they make an impact for you? Maybe not. But they, I mean, listen, I'm not saying one couldn't, but both probably a little unlikely. But now you're planning a little bit for the future, too. I'm okay with it. Listen, if you went in this draft and you drafted four wide receivers, people would be like, hey, I love it. You're I'm helping trying. Trevor yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, seriously, you can't go wrong adding weapons for Trevor Lawrence right now. Anything that has to do with, with Trevor, number 16, even if it feels like you have 40 of them. Yep. Even if it felt like you spent $30 million on one, Whatever it doesn't it matter. I think people would be all on board. Now, if you get Devontae Adams, we've already planned the parade route, and we think people are coming. Yeah, and we get, we think people are coming. we got three floats. If anybody else deserves one, please let us know. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to make that work. If we have to help it out, we'll have our own float. There we go. We'll be float four. I like that. <laughs> uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're live at the Voli's House of Cards. Good to see some folks stopping by in here. And uh, we'll visit with Mark in just a little bit. Plus, uh, Martin Buckley will join us about the memorabilia game right now and a big week coming up at Palm Beach Autographs in the Avenues Mall. That's on the way in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll be back on ESPN 690. It's going to be tough for them to find a trade partner. If they don't, look, the remaining $7 million of his $22 million, paragraph 5, or his base salary for 2022 becomes fully guaranteed on March the 18th, the first day of the new league year. So they may wind up just cutting him, which would be just awful considering how he was supposed to now refine his mojo, recapture his mojo going forward. Tell me who it was. Was Lewis Riddick talking about Carson Wentz? There we go. Carson Wentz. Boy, can you fall out of favor or what? It's tough. Everything in my mind now revolves around, like, what's his value in Davoli's house of cards? Carson Wentz's value, probably not good. (laughs) I don't know if you heard that. Yeah. (laughs) There was a collective sigh here (laughs) from everybody at Davoli's house of cards. By the way, we just had some moments. I don't know if you heard in the last break, there was a loud eruption. I did and not. yeah, those they pulled a, a Jeter autographed card oh, and nice. also a Mac Jones uh, card, which would have got you excited too, uh, Casey. I, so, I'm excited about Jeter. That's my favorite. That's my guy. I don't know if I'm. Jeter's your favorite guy. Favorite player of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wish I didn't know that. Okay. I can. You're a Tampa it. guy. You can't have. You can't have Jeter be your favorite guy. Yeah, it's it's tough scenes, but it's 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 the cold hard truth, unfortunately. I like Jeter. It's not really unfortunate. Like it, I don't I, actually I like Jeter. Like yeah, I think it's guy. impossible to not like Jeter. And uh, you know the thing about Jeter, I would tell you what I like about Jeter when I covered because I covered the Yankees a little bit when I was up in Albany. We, I mean, not like on a day to day basis, yeah, but a little bit. And Jeter, 
I always love and respect Jeter for this. One, he played the game the right way, which is great, all those kind of things. But I also think he maximized his talent. Like, I'm not sure he was the old. Like, Alex Rodriguez was ultra-talented, right? Yeah. Derek Jeter, not that guy. I mean, he's super-talented, but he's not that kind of talent. And he maximized it. And But he also, to do what he did in New York and always stay off the back pages and never get in trouble. Like, I, I kind of liken him to what I used to say a little bit about LeBron James, but LeBron then kind of got into a little bit of the – he became outspoken about things, and so now he's more, you know, polarizing. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeter wasn't that guy. Like, I think you could hate the Yankees, which I do, and still like Jeter. And, and he was that guy. To, to st in that market, for as long as he was – he would say an 8- to 10-second soundbite that really said nothing but said enough. And <laughs> by doing so – he avoided all controversy, all everything else, did his job, and, and, and that's it. So, yeah, I was a really big fan of Jeter. In fact, we were at his last game at Tropicana, by the way. Took the kids to that one. Same. Were you, were you there? Yep. See that? Yeah. That was good. Uh, that was pretty cool. That yeah. was a pretty cool scene. It was, yeah, it was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think I have a lot of respect for Jeter, too. I mean, he can't go down as a favorite player, but certainly have a lot of respect for him. Yeah. Let's get to Steven here, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's happening, Steven? Hey, hey, not too much. How are you doing today, Brent? I'm doing fantastic today. All right. Uh, I just wanted to toss an idea and uh, get, what, uh, get your opinion from you and uh, Casey, you know, since Austin's not there today. Well, um, yeah, don't ask Austin. He won't answer. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I uh, hope if he's listening, good luck on his fight. Um, <laughs> but uh, my thoughts are, uh, you know, I hear rumors about uh, Mike Williams, the guy from uh, Los Angeles. Uh, he, They might let him test the waters of free agency. I would consider that. but um, And I would definitely re-sign Chark uh, to, like, a two-year deal or whatever. But, I mean... If I can get someone like Mike Williams, Allen Robinson, re-sign DJ Chark, and I would definitely take two receivers in the draft, uh, George Pickens with the 33rd pick, I'm really high on him. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's got that uh, DJ Ch Chark-esque type of play and body style. Um, and a sleeper I like, uh, you'd probably get in the fourth round, is uh, the Alec Pierce, the kid from Cincinnati. And once again, uh, he's a... Uh, Big body guy around 6'3", kind of, once again, DJ Chark-esque. Because what I've noticed is uh, Doug Peterson kind of likes those big body possession receivers, but at least these guys come with speed on the side of it. Yeah, I appreciate it, Steven. That's, a, that's an interesting point, right? Because all we're talking about here in Jacksonville is speed, 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 speed. Uh, but I like the big body wide receiver, too, and now you can get both. It used to be you got the big body wide receiver or you got the speed guy. Well, again, DJ Chark is a valuable commodity in the NFL because he offers you both, and now you got to be productive in that role. So I, I think style of player is interesting, but you start with speed. And, I, I, again, I'm not the – you know, even Tyreek Hill, Casey, you, I think people look at him and they see this little guy who can fly and who's shifty, and sometimes you have some of that and it's like so – you're so shifty it doesn't matter how big you are. Yeah. Well, there's a physical presence about Tyreek Hill that people overlook. Like, I don't think people realize that sometimes. I think they, they think, okay, little guy uh, or smaller guy and can really flat-out run, but he's not physical. No, he can, he can be physical enough to get off breaks at the line of scrimmage and use his speed and strength to do that. He's not the most physical guy in the NFL, but he's certainly not a slight guy either. No, Yeah, for sure. I think when I think of Tyreek Hill, though, I mean, to that point, like, 
I think, a throw it to him behind the line of scrimmage and let him work type True. deal. And I don't know if – to your point, yeah, you can get speed and physical at this point. But, like, if you look, like, for Mike Williams, for example, I don't see him getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage. No, In he's that. not doing that. Yeah. No. Now, Mike Williams, instead, what he's talking about, with ho- you hope you can get this from a DJ Chark or any of those guys that he just mentioned, is the ability to catch in traffic, right? Maybe catch the 50-50 ball. Mike Williams gives you that. Yep. Over the years, Allen Robinson gives that, gave us that. But also, can you beat the defense? And that's what Mike Williams can do. And mm-hmm. DJ Chark, I think, can do. Like an Allen Robinson type, probably not going to do. He's not going to run right by you. Uh, so that's the difference. And... Um, then you got your guys that are just kind of flat out run by you uh, as well. So I think speed guys are dangerous, you know. Not like on offense, dangerous to go get. Because are you starting to wonder a little bit about even like a Rondale Moore, who everybody loved? Yeah, yeah, Like, absolutely. what did he do? I mean, and, and by the way, like he needed to do more and he couldn't because Hopkins went down. Yeah, I mean, if speed is your only, to your point, I guess, again, with Tyree Kill, if speed is your only trick and it's, it's not working. If your quarterback can't get you the ball or you can't get open, then that's it for that. So I think that's why it, there's – when you're looking at just speed, you got to be careful with that to your point. You need someone that can go up and make a catch because you can't always get open with just speed. Absolutely. Hey, we're live at uh, Devoli's House of Cards. We're going to have a live break here in the next segment as well. So maybe we'll come up with maybe a Mac Jones, maybe a Trevor Lawrence. We'll see what we do. Could be a different sport. Who knows? Uh, that's coming up. Plus, Iron Mike Tyson, Pete Rose, Ric Flair coming to down this weekend. We talk a little bit more uh, about that on the way on the memorabilia side of things on ESPN 690.